Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you, it's time to party. Welcome back to a special off-season edition of the Red Seat Podcast. This is episode 233. I am Jake Devereaux, and I am joined today by my regular co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. What's up, Keaton? Not much, man. Just uh, getting used to this darkness here. Is that what you call choking on an apple? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Before we well, came onto the really podcast... Yeah, uh, Keaton was choking on an apple. So, yeah, thankfully he, he made it through. Uh, and uh, we are here to discuss uh, all the Red Sox moves so far. Uh, we had a little bit of news on uh, Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, um, when, you know, teams and, and players had to make decisions about their options. And um, this was a particularly important day because. The first big domino of the offseason fell in J.D. Martinez deciding not to, not to opt out of his final year of his deal. Um, he's going to be set to make $19.375 million in 2022, the final year of a five-year $110 million deal that he signed uh, with an AAV of $22 million per. Uh, Keaton, my first question for you is, you know, were you expecting him to opt into this last year of the deal? Or did you think, you know, given the fact that he had a pretty good season rebounding from a rough 2020, did you think he was going to try and get a longer term deal elsewhere? I think the the questions around the the CBA probably had more to do with it because uh had he taken his chances, we don't know what the salary structure would have looked like. Um, he probably would have been extended a qualifying offer. We don't know what the rules around qualifying offers would have looked like. Maybe they're worse than they are now because, I mean, the owners are kind of fighting for that. Um, so it was much more um, secure for him to just opt in. Uh, he knows he's with the Red Sox. He knows how much money he's getting and all that. Opting out, there was just too many question marks, and it seems like a lot of things are going to change. Um, The universal DH is another thing that uh, isn't necessarily a guarantee to be a part of it. So uh, back with the Red Sox for one more year and then kind of hope all this stuff fleshes itself out and then hit the market next year after hopefully another good year uh, seems to make a lot more sense for him. I think, I mean, 
pointed out he had a, a nice bounce back year, a really good 2021, uh, coming off of a bad 2020. If there isn't any questions about the labor market, I feel like he probably does opt out because he can get uh, more years and, uh, I mean, not probably the same AV, but more years and more security elsewhere. And uh, assuming that the, the DH would have been part of whatever clarity there uh, would have doubled the number of teams that are interested in. But it's just with so much stuff up in the air, uh, it makes a lot more sense from his point of view to opt in. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. He's still a really good presence in the dugout, can help guys uh, with their hitting as well as uh, – I mean, it's not prime J.D. Martinez anymore, but there are far worse options out there on the market uh, to have on your roster than a J.D. Martinez who's uh, – to starting to decline a little bit. Yeah, and I think you nailed it as to why I kind of I thought this was going to be a little bit more of a toss up. You know, I thought it was about a 50-50 chance that he uh, opted in. You know, I did have him on my projected 2022 roster when Bob and I recorded uh towards the end of the season. Um I, you know, I ultimately thought he would. I was kind of hoping he wouldn't. Um but you know, I, I think that has more to do with the fact that he had such a great first half. He had that 143 WRC plus. He, you know, slugged 556 in the first half of the season. Looked really good. Um, but the second half of the year wasn't so hot. I mean, it was fine. It was it was totally fine. But, you know, 268, 324, 67 with a 105 WRC plus in 10 home runs is just not the same as as the first half that he had and and he looked he looked a little old at times uh in the second half of the year so i thought that maybe you know he'd want to get that guaranteed money a little bit longer um rather than entering free agency again at 35 years old uh, after next year but clearly this was a vote of confidence in himself and a vote of non-confidence in the upcoming labor market which i think you're probably right, Keaton. That probably factored into it a great deal. Um, let me ask you this, though. We had different reactions to this opt-in on Twitter. Uh, you were happy he opted in. I was a little bit disappointed. Why were you happy he opted in? Um, I mean, even in the state of uh, some you know, beginning decline here, he's still a really good baseball player. Uh, I like having him on the team. It's fun to watch. So that was kind of it. Yeah. No, that's that's uh I mean that's a valid point. This contract, if you look at it, has worked out wonderfully uh, for the Red Sox. Uh, better than probably could have expected it to. Um, he's been good for the majority of the contract. Really good uh, for the majority of the contract. For me, um, I was ultimately a little disappointed because I think it gives the team a little bit less flexibility uh, to do a little bit more creative roster building um, and kind of is going to force them to make additional moves uh, if they want to move forward with certain players we're going to talk about here uh, in a moment. But I guess lastly, before we close the book on J.D. Martinez, um, do you think he starts the year with the Red Sox or do you think the team explores trading him? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I feel like he's going to be here. Could be here to start start the year. I I guess it wouldn't shock me if they did explore trading him, but I'm not sure 
if there'd be a real robust market. Like, what would you get in return for a 34-year-old declining DH? And would it yeah, be I, an upgrade to just having him on the roster for a year? I feel like it's probably not. I think I'd rather just have him on the roster. Yeah, I think what it would do is it would just give you financial flexibility. I think it would be essentially some low-level prospect to move the money off the books. I don't think you're getting a lot for him. I totally agree with that. Um, I ultimately think that he starts the year with the team as well. And, you know, unless the Red Sox do terribly and by the all-star break, he's he's a clear bat to sell. Um, you know, I think he'll probably finish the year with the team as well. But this further complicates things for the next guy we're going to talk about. And it's the reason why I, I kind of wanted him to opt out so we could have that flexibility. Uh, Kyle Schwarber also opted out of his $11.5 million mutual option. Um, that was not surprising at all. It was kind of a formality that he would do that after the year he had. So my question to you, Keaton, is uh, now that JD has opted out or in, I should say, do you believe Kyle Schwarber is gone? I do, um, mainly because I just feel like there's going to be a nice market for him. Um, I don't think that this excludes the Red Sox from trying to bring him back. I think they will try. I just think ultimately he'll land somewhere else because he'll probably have a robust market. Um, and this was kind of part of the reason, too, why I, I liked it, but I was waiting until we started talking about Schwarber to get into it. Um, having J.D. Martinez and the possibility of Schwarber back in the roster, I think it's just a really good combination. Um, so I don't think it, it's going to stop the Red Sox from going after him. I just think he's going to have a, a larger market of teams after him and his services because he – uh, can play the outfield and DH. So there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking for a guy like to have uh, a bat like that to have the Miller lineup. So I just think eventually he'll get just chased away from the Red Sox, but I think they are going to you know, try and go after him. And, and um, you know, maybe because he had that experience here, the second half really seemed to enjoy it and got to, got a taste of playoffs in Boston. Um, you know, maybe that, that helps draw him back, but I, th- I just think his market is going to be too robust and he'll land somewhere else. Yeah, I think he's going to have a robust market too. But I also think that the, that Bloom and, and people who are saying that this doesn't preclude the Red Sox are paying it a little bit of, of lip service here. I, I kind of think that, you know, given all of the options that an offseason brings and what a difficult roster fit it is to fit two guys who really are optimally DHs in uh, JD and Schwarber on the roster. You know, you're really, if you bring Schwarber back, you're looking to bring him back as a first baseman, which isn't optimal or as an outfielder, which also isn't optimal. So I'm not sure really how that works uh, for the Red Sox, especially considering the financial commitment that, you know, he would get. I actually think it's less likely uh, that if they want Schwarber, they bring back both Schwarber and uh, JD to start the year. I think that if they do pursue Schwarber and pursue him hard, that they trade JD Martinez because it's just a tough fit for the roster. I think they, they ultimately picked him up because he was the best bat available, in an, in, even though he was an imperfect fit uh, at the deadline. So I don't know. I, I think just given all of the other opportunities out there that it's going to be tough to look at Kyle Schwarber and think, you know, this is the best guy to complete our roster at this point. 
So I guess so in the the scenario there where they trade Martinez, that's basically like the the trade off of what are you getting back? That I said like if you're trading him, is it worth it? So it's it's kind of like coupled with moving Martinez's salary off the books, getting some whatever low level prospects, but replacing him with Kyle Schwarber and having that bat in the lineup instead. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm I'm thinking there. I, I think it would. That's the only way they end up with both on the roster to start the year, in my opinion. I just think that it's not going to fit either uh, in 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 a in a different way with both of those guys. Um, how do you view it? I mean, do you think that they can go into the year with with both of them on the roster? Yeah, I mean, I think they can because they just had them both on the roster, right? Sure. Um, I think they can. I I agree with you. It's probably unlikely and why I I feel like Schwarber kind of part of why I feel like he's going to end up somewhere else. But I, uh, if it's, if you're giving me like even odds here on either one of them or only one of them, I would Mm -hmm. prefer Schwarber. Uh, Erod was extended the $18.4 million qualifying offer by the Red Sox. Um, you know, I guess my first question about the Erod QO is, were you expecting him to get the QO from the Red Sox? I actually wasn't. Um, but the more I thought about it, I guess the more it made sense. I feels like he's going to reject it because given his age, he's much more likely to land a multi-year deal somewhere else. Um, but the qualifying offer is such a jump from the salary that he just had, which was uh, $8.3 million. The qualifying offer is basically another $10 million on top of that. Um, so that seemed like a pretty high jump, but uh, it only being one year probably doesn't you know, hurt them a ton if he accepts it. But if he's looking for more security in more years, I think he's definitely going to find it. So then the Red Sox extend the offer so that they get something in return for him. Um assuming he leaves. So it makes sense in that sense. I don't, I still think he's probably going to decline it and then end up somewhere else um, because he can get a a multi-year deal. But if he's back for just one more year, I also don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, He didn't, he pitched better than the, you know, the surface stats would suggest he was really good in the playoffs. Um, so we know that he can be a really solid pitcher for this rotation. And if it ends up just being for one more year, then um, I don't think I'm going to be disappointed that he comes back. But I just think, um, given where he's at, it doesn't make a lot of sense to just come back for one year unless he really thinks that this team is like top-tier World Series contender, which it may be. Yeah, I mean, even if he thinks that, you'd think that he'd try and figure out a multi-year deal uh, with the Red Sox if they were willing to right. uh, discuss that. You know, initially, I, I've never been Erod's biggest fan. Uh, and I think my gut reaction was, you know, $18.4 million for Erod seems ridiculous considering how uh, inconsistent he's been over his career. And even when you look at his surface numbers uh, from, from this year, the ERA wasn't particularly good. Uh, he was impressive in the playoffs, but my initial reaction was like, why why take the chance of him 
you know, accepting the $18.4 million qualifying offer. But then I get to thinking about it a little bit more and did a little bit more research into his expected numbers. And, and he was basically Robbie Ray in terms of his expected ERA uh, for this year. So I, I think teams are going to be lining up uh, to pay him money. So uh, a no-brainer for the Red Sox to extend him the qualifying offer. You get the compensatory pick yep. uh, if he goes somewhere else. And I think he might get stupid money for for what he's done in his career. I think Erod might end up with like close to a $100 million deal uh, over like four or five years. Yeah. Somewhere that's, else. That's pretty darn realistic, yeah. That's kind of what I was expecting too. So, yeah, the offer just basically covers their – their butt to get the pick back but um probably any gone. chance any chance he's he's back with the socks or or the socks not willing sure. to pay him that you think uh no i think they would i think so th- the thing is like that's basically uh nathan Evaldi money right so we need to pitch to nathan Evaldi's level to be air quotes worth the qualifying offer i think he can do that though um he had been trending in a really positive direction uh, until obviously the lost 2020 figured there'd be some bumps in the road in 2021, which there were, but I mean, he didn't, he didn't pitch awful. Um, so yeah, I think that with, uh, another season kind of in his belt after taking a year off, I'd look for him to bounce back next year anyway, regardless of, uh, what his contract status is or where he's at. I think he's a nice bounce back candidate. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because, I'm sure we'll we'll have a whole pod dedicated to this at some point in like the next month or so, but um, the Red Sox pitching staff is barren. So if he does accept it and he comes back, I don't, that's probably only a positive because then you know the only, the only things that you know for sure are you got Chris Sale, you got Nathan Valdi, and the rest is just all question marks. And that's uh, like number three, four, five starter and everyone in the bullpen is all question marks. So if you can bring a solid SB3, like, I mean, Roto Rica is probably better than SB3. That's that's who we'd be on your, your pitching staff. I'm kind of fine with that for a year. Uh, if you think the pitching is so barren, though, if you're if you're high in bloom, I mean, do you go out there and just try and pay him that, you know, five years, uh, 90 million bucks or whatever it's going to take to lock him up long term? Do you feel that comfortable with Erod as a player that you would be the team to lock him up to that long-term deal? Oh, man. You had to put me on the spot, didn't you? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the answer of a man who's watched too many Erod starts over the years. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, one year, good. Beyond that, not as much. Yeah, the the thing that's infuriating about uh, about Erod is, and I said this on the pod with Bob, uh, but I'll just reiterate it here. Um, I would not be surprised if by the age of thirty two, Erod is uh, contending for a Cy Young in whatever league he's in. I would also not be surprised if he is on the fringes of being out of baseball. Uh, by age 32 he is that enigmatic uh and just confuses the hell out of me um guy has all the talent in the world absolutely love this stuff but um 
yeah, just inconsistent. So if it were me, I would not uh, commit the money to him and I would thank him for his services and um, fully expect him to be elsewhere next year. Yeah, and that's, I mean, you make a good point about the volatility. And I think that's why is you just, it's too much volatility to invest that that much money in for a longer period of time, but just the right amount of volatility for one year. Yep. All right. Uh, another big question heading into the offseason was whether or not Christian Vasquez's club option for $7 million uh, would get picked up by the Red Sox. Uh, they did decide to pick it up. Um, given the catching market, uh, it isn't much of a surprise. I mean, I wanted to point out uh, a comparable here. The Detroit Tigers uh, just traded for uh, Tucker Barnhart um, from Cincinnati. He had an 81 WRC plus last year, um, was worth 1.2 war, according to Fangraphs. Uh, Christian Vasquez... Um, he had a 77 WRC plus last year. It was worth just half a war, according to Fangraphs. Um, but that was a, a down season for him. Um, you know, Tucker Barnhart's making $7.5 million. So it seems like $7 million for Christian Vasquez, even though it sounds kind of like a lot, considering what his, his production was this year, probably isn't. No. Probably not. So, I mean, this pretty much decides what their catching is going to be next year. It's going to be Christian Vasquez and it's going to be Kevin Ploiecki again. Are you okay with that or would you have tried to do something else and would you have picked up the Christian Vasquez option? Yeah, I would. I don't think 7 mil is all that expensive and particularly for the position. I mean, you talked about all the offensive stats, but you also have to factor in the defense. He's still a very good defensive catcher can call a really good game, can throw runners out still, doesn't isn't kind of losing stuff uh, there. So I think whatever that whatever that gap would be offensively to defensively is is worth the seven million. And I don't like I guess do you think that I don't believe that Plowecki would be make sense as a full time option and I don't really know where else they would go. Um, I don't think you would get someone better in free agency. Um, and of the better options, they're probably not available via trade because the catcher position is what it is. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm totally fine with him being the catcher. I think, um, you know, he's certainly had some struggles last year and maybe declining, but um, he's still above average at his position. Yeah, I, I went back and forth on this throughout the season. And in August, I was thinking... You know, maybe maybe you try and get an older, cheaper guy like Jan Gomes or something to come in. But then I get to thinking about how Christian Vasquez has cultivated the relationships with all of the starters and uh, relievers on this roster. And given how many of them I think are going to be back next year and given what the catcher landscape looks like where, you know, Jan Gomes is really the prize of the catcher market, which isn't saying a ton. <laughs> yeah. um, it seemed to make too much sense that he would eventually be back. I was kind of hoping that the Red Sox might even try and extend Christian Vasquez to uh, a deal that was maybe slightly lower AAV, but longer years, uh, maybe like a three or a four year deal at like five or six uh, AAV. But um, 
you know, I'm happy to have him back. I think he's a good backstop. Uh, I think he, he works well with the pitchers. So, yeah, I, I was I was fully expecting him to come back as well. I just wasn't sure if it would be to the tune of an extension or just picking up the option. Um, totally fine with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I had him and JD penciled in on my 2022 team. So, Where are you at with only... Connor Wong? Uh, I think Connor Wong is a future backup um, in, a, in, a, in a good one, um, probably, probably a fine one. Um, but I just don't – I don't think he is a guy you want to start more than half your games. Okay. What do I you think, think about I, yeah, him? I think I'm there too because I was thinking about maybe mixing him in and kind of mixing in more and maybe going – well, I don't know how you would really work three catchers into the roster. That doesn't really make sense. But no. maybe giving him a shot at some point this year to see if he could take over next year but i i think i'm with you i don't not sure that's something he would grab and run with and and to be honest i think vasquez and ploiecki is a pretty damn good tandem you know you can you can do a whole lot worse than those two sure all right so the last moves of the day that we wanted to recap uh were the declining of the options uh, of martin perez and Garrett Richards, they both had club options. Uh, Six million for Martin Perez, ten million for Garrett Richards. Uh, this was completely expected because both of them were pretty bad uh, in starting roles. Uh, any chance at a reunion? Garrett Richards says that he is open to being a full-time reliever. That's the only one. I'm good with Perez in all forms. Richards <laughs> is interesting as a reliever, but I'm not paying him like anything like veteran minimum like maybe two mil max to be a, a, that guy in the bullpen because um while he was a lot better in the bullpen he also kind of struggled there down uh the stretch of the season to the point where he wasn't even um a factor of course apparently he was hurt so he was pulled off of the playoff rosters but maybe that factored into some of his his slippage but um yeah i Definitely don't want him back as a starter. I would take him back as a reliever, but on a highly reduced salary. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with both these guys. Uh, the Garrett Richards experience uh, soured me, even though he was all right as a reliever and even damn right good. Uh, sometimes, yeah, I'm good. I think he can find better options internally. I mean, hell, I'd rather... Uh, bring up Durbin Feltman uh, instead of, you know, paying Garrett Richards to, to come sit in the pen at this point. So uh, I, I do believe the Red Sox will spend on the bullpen uh, this year, though. I, th- I think they're going to bring in a couple high-end names. Uh, last year, last pod with Bob, we kind of threw out some of our predictions, and uh, I predicted both Kendall Graveman and Corey Knable uh, signing with the Red Sox in the offseason. So I think those are going to be their big splashes. I would like both of those. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Keaton, uh, any off season predictions you want to get in before we wrap up this podcast? Oh boy. Not a single one. All right. We'll save those for another time. 
Everyone, thank you for joining us. We will be with you periodically throughout the offseason. We're going to try and get at least one podcast per week. Uh, Last week, we missed out on one uh, from a scheduling conflict, but hopefully you'll get some combination of us weekly here, and certainly as news breaks like this podcast. So thank you very much. Keaton, thank you. And we'll be with you again next time. Thank you.